Welcome to episode 24 of 24 in the Professional Balance bonus content series of the Saturday Morning Hustle podcast. I started this long-form audio-only podcast posted the last Monday of each month two years ago as a way to have a different conversation than the weekly Saturday Morning Hustle podcast, but also as an opportunity to dive deep into the issues that challenge all entrepreneurs, business owners, career builders, and decision makers how to balance what seems to be contradictory viewpoints in business and personal life. More than just work-life balance, we examine a variety of this or that scenarios. Today, we discuss if you can balance each and every aspect of your life. Optimistic or pessimistic? Glass half full or half empty? Work hard, work smart, or both? Go with the flow or disrupt? Collaborate or go your own way? These are just a few of the ideas behind finding balance, if that's even possible. Recently in my business podcast, the Golden Group Strategic Growth Podcast, my co-host and business partner, Pritch Pritchard, proposed the idea of work-life integration instead of work-life balance as a way to better frame the conversation. Balance might be too perfect of an idea to achieve, thus creating more problems than it solves. Instead, how do you integrate all of the ideas, factors, possibilities, effects, etc., into your decision-making process? Let's talk about that by looking back at the various topics we have covered over the last two years. We began this series in January of 2021 by discussing work-life balance versus hustle culture. Of course, hustle culture has been a buzzword for a while and has been changing through the years and has definitely changed since that episode was posted two years ago, January of 2021. Work-life balance, as I just mentioned in the introduction, is not a necessarily correct term or idea. Might be too perfect of an idea. Instead, work-life integration. How do you integrate your your work into the rest of your life? How do you make work part of your life? Not in a balance, in a perfect 50-50 scenario, but more in harmony with how things go. Sometimes you need to work more. Sometimes you need to take time off. Sometimes there is a snowstorm and you have to take the day off. There's holidays, there's vacation time, but there's also deadlines. There's also grinding. There's all those things that go into building your work success, whether you work for yourself or work for someone else, but not to the detriment of who you are as a person, your family life, and definitely, absolutely not your mental health or physical health even with stress, anxiety, and all the things that come along with that which is often the knock on hustle culture. As a hustler myself, as someone who is always willing to put in the extra effort because I have passion for what I do as an entrepreneur, it feels natural to me. I don't necessarily want to force it on anyone else, but it definitely feels natural to me. I don't want to apologize for having hustle and work ethic, but I do understand how people misunderstand hustle culture. The next month in February of 2021, we talked about this, having a success mindset versus learning from failures. And ultimately, you hear a lot of conversations about there's a lot of failure in business, especially if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, but even in your career path, you learn by failing. There are ways to gain experience. You always you start inexperienced, you gain experience, you do that mostly through failing. You learn more lessons from no's and yeses, all of this. But you can't look for failure. You can't anticipate failure. You can't hope for failure. You have to have the mindset of failure is a good thing because failure stings. 
because it hurts and it could discourage you from continuing on. So instead, turning those lessons into success, turning those lessons into something that can get you to the level you want to get to the next time or the time after that is a success mindset. And so that was the balance there is understanding the value of failure, of learning lessons, of making mistakes, of falling short, et cetera, so that you can incorporate the lessons learned into your future endeavors. But having a success mindset of not wanting to fail, of actually the sting of failure driving you to be highly successful, there's a ton of balance there. Go listen to that episode because I think it's one of the more important ones when explaining something with a lot of nuance. How can you have a success mindset while embracing failure while not anticipating or working towards failure. How do you embrace failure? The lessons that come with it, not the failure itself. The failure itself stings. The moment you know it's not working, that it's going to be a mistake, that it's, the outcome is not what you expect, that moment should sting. That's a success mindset. But then looking for the lessons, for the adjustments, how you can do something better the next time also is a success mindset. So check out that episode as well for lots of ideas about how to make that work for you. Another episode that I found extremely interesting was titled, The CEO Should Always or Never Make the Coffee. Here's the balance. Should the, coffee, should the CEO always make the coffee or never make the coffee? Here I'm using the metaphor of making the coffee for putting in the same work that the boss would expect from anyone else. We've all had bosses who are willing to roll up their sleeves and work right along next to you and put effort in, often feel appreciated. We've also probably all had bosses who sort of live in the ivory tower, who stay in their office and command from above. And not only do they not help you with any aspect of your job, but they probably couldn't do any aspect of your job. But they bring value as the CEO. They have experience. They have knowledge. They have a big picture vision that individual in roles in the company can't and don't have. And so where is that balance of acting like a CEO and guiding with vision and putting people in place, setting systems and protocols and allowing people to do their job without micromanaging, but not having or presenting an attitude of arrogance or being above any role in the company. And often I find a CEO that's willing to make a fresh pot of coffee or a CEO that's willing to do something like replace the paper towel or toilet paper roll when it's empty. It's a lesson to learn from Pish Patel from his book. That CEO, whether they actually work alongside their employees on the assembly line, if you will, on the factory floor, can demonstrate that they have the mindset of being the same as their employees while still leading them. An interesting conversation. You should definitely check that one out as well. Something that goes right along with that too is another conversation, another term that I use for myself personally. A lot of conversation about if you work smart, then you don't have to work hard or work smart instead of working hard. I don't believe there's anything that's ever been successful ever that didn't come with hard work and not hard work to the extreme. Again, it goes back to the hustle culture idea, but hard work in is in putting in effort, having dedication, understanding how things actually work because you've, you've kind of done it hands on, but also working smart, working hard without working smart is just busy work. It's just effort. There's no guarantee that it's successful, 
But working smart, having good ideas, building processes, building systems, building an organization that can do these things, that can accomplish these things, that can be successful, but then thinking you could sit back on cruise control and let money magically show up. These are two things that don't coincide. Instead, if you work smart to have focus, to have attention, to have a specific thing you're trying to accomplish and achieve, and then be willing to put in the hard work. And I think that follows up with the CEO that makes a, co- a fresh pot of coffee when it's necessary. If you're able to do all of these things and not necessarily in balance, but as needed, then you can create great success for yourself and the team that you'll need in order to be even more successful. So I think those two ideas go together as well. You have to work smart, then work hard, but not so hard that it hurts you or others around you. Another idea we talked about in September of 2021 is giving to or getting. Do you give to others? Do you provide for others? Are you willing to work for free or work on spec? or do things in your community, or volunteer, or speak in public without getting paid, and help other people achieve things, motivate people, give them information, bring other people up with you, create the rising tide that lifts all boats, versus not letting people take advantage of you, getting paid what you're worth, being a collaborator and a team member, but being a valued collaborator and team member and ultimately receiving the recognition, the reward, et cetera, that you deserve because the role you play. This can be a hard balance. This is one of the hardest things to explain in the business is when sometimes taking what we would call free work or spec work is beneficial to your business. It's a very gray area. It's very hard to explain when you should do that and when you should demand that you get paid your worth because people are trying to take advantage of you and all those situations are very different. It's very hard to explain when and how, but understanding the ideas of self-reliance, of measured hustle, of determination versus the ideas of collaboration, teamwork, and recognition and value is an interesting conversation. That's an episode you definitely want to check out as well. Give versus get. You need to have an attitude of giving. You need to have an open-mindedness but protect yourself from people who take advantage of that. And that balance can be very hard to achieve sometimes and very situational. Now, something else you need to consider is defending yourself versus being defensive. And what I mean by that is often in business or in any relationship, there are times when things are going well and times when things are not going well. Sometimes people are receiving blame when things are not going well. Sometimes that blame is merited. Sometimes it's unwarranted. Sometimes, again, it's a very gray area. It's very hard to understand, and maybe it doesn't land succinctly on one or two individuals. So how do you defend yourself when you're being attributed blame that is not necessarily your fault? Sometimes people will try to blame you for their faults. Sometimes people will try to blame the first person they can get to, the easiest target, or anyone but them. And those times, your defense of yourself, your reputation, your work needs to happen, but you can't take an attitude into a business or otherwise relationship that you're always defending yourself, that you're defensive, that you're not willing to accept responsibility when you are at fault and when you do need to receive the blame, and then B, always trying to find almost a scapegoat of your own because you're defending yourself against other people who maybe aren't playing the game fairly. So 
how do you defend yourself, defend your reputation, de- defend your work, defend your record without being defensive, without being someone who takes any kind of criticism as a personal attack? And this is where the balance is. Is the conversation, is the criticism, is the negative review and the negative response warranted 1% or 100%? How do you accept your role, again, 1% or 100% in that negative outcome? And then what are you willing to do to improve this situation moving forward or ensure that that negative outcome doesn't happen again in the future? These are the responses the attitudes, the how you go into the problem solving of having a negative outcome or having something worth complaining about that will allow you to defend yourself, to make your opinions known, to be part of the conversation that started negative towards you, finding outcomes that are beneficial for all without being defensive, without being someone who is seen as only protecting their own interest, because that is often seen as very negative. So these are way, these are the conversation on that podcast was how to defend yourself when others are being detrimental to your reputation or to your, to your work process without being that person who's always defensive, who's not able to take constructive criticism, et cetera. Because if you can do that, you're a great team player, a great asset, a great collaborator. If you can't, you often rub people the wrong way and maybe end up destroying the relationship that you have. Speaking of relationships, when do you need a mentor and when can you mentor other people? January of 2022, we started that year off by talking about the role of a mentor and being mentored or a mentee, if you will. A weird word for me, although I like saying being mentored better. Everyone at all levels of, the, of their personal path, of their career path, of their entrepreneurial path, of their time in this planet. If you're more than one years old and you're less than 150, because I don't think anyone's ever lived to 150, you are in a process. You're learning as a human being. You're learning as a professional. You're gaining experience. You're gaining knowledge. You're having those successes and failures that teach you lessons, etc. No matter where you are in that process, in the beginning, halfway, near the end, at the climax of it, you have something you can contribute to other people as a mentor that are not as far along in that process, even as a beginner. In fact, often sometimes sharing your experiences as a beginner goes back to the conversation of how you learn lessons from things that turn out negatively or, or unexpectedly. Sharing those lessons can be a mentor process for others. Finding ways to have other people mentor to you and you to mentor to others. It's a give back. It's a hand up. Other people are further along in the process. This isn't personal. Everyone, wherever you're in the process, unless you are, at this point in time, Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. Unless you're the most successful, richest person in the world, there's someone who has earned more than you, that has had more experience than you, that has more knowledge than you, someone who is doing it a little bit better than you that you can learn from. And mentoring, sometimes you can have a mentor that is a person that you speak to on a regular basis, that know you intimately, that have details of your life, of your path, of your strategy, of your struggle, etc. And they give you very specific information about how to help yourself because they've been there, they've been through it because they're further along in their path. Other times mentors are role models or people you see in the public, et cetera. And so how you 
learn your lessons, still the little nuggets, little tidbits of what they're doing and apply it to yourself. But then being able to mentor other people as well. Mentoring others is a great way to codify in your own mind what you feel and what you know. If you can teach someone else how to do something, you have command of it. If you can't teach them, you have not have command of it. You need to go back to your mentors and learn a little bit better. So it's a good self-check. It's a good way to give back to the universe. Someone gave you information. Someone mentored you. They made you more successful. You have an opportunity to mentor others and make them more successful and make you more successful at the same time and build your network and continue your relationships, etc. Mentoring and being mentored to are great things for every person, no matter where they are in the process. I learned that later as an entrepreneur and later in life, and I wish I'd learned it earlier. I was very independent earlier, and I almost rejected a lot of things that now I understand if I had taken that advice, taken that mentoring, I'd have been much more successful in the past. So I urge you to be open to being mentored to and to mentoring others. And don't feel like you're not capable of mentoring others. That could get into imposter syndrome, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. Another conversation we had was about building a collaborative community, be open to input and opinions of others so that you can build a team that is stronger together versus what they often call the subtle art of not giving a fuck about other people's opinions. That's right. You don't need to live your life based on what other people's opinions are, especially they don't know you, they don't know the situation, they don't know the details, particulars, they don't actually know your path. Their opinions don't mean anything. Randos on Twitter telling you you suck, your idea is bad, that you're never going to make it, you won't be successful, is the most irrelevant information you'll ever receive in your life. Do not give an F about any of that. But people who do know, people who are part of your process, people that you collaborate with, people that are very close to the situation and maybe probably have more information, more experience than you do, their opinion of what you're doing, how you're doing it, your approach, et cetera, is important. And when you take that information, when you collaborate with them, when you are open-minded, when you're willing to make the adjustments, because change is where success happens, people are constantly changing if you're being successful. If you want to be successful, you have to constantly change. The way to constantly change is to take the right input from others. So you're changing by learning your lessons from failures and unexpected outcomes, but you're also changing, growing, developing, improving, bettering yourself by taking direct advice from people who are connected, related, and know what they're talking about and have more experience. Thus, they can help you gain the experience that they have. That is a serious balancing act. Building that collaborative community, working with others, sharing credit, sharing the wealth, sharing the opportunity, while also not listening to the noise of outsiders who don't know the specific information about what you're trying to achieve, how you're trying to, to achieve it, and the particulars involved. So you need to be collaborative, but you don't have to give a crap about what anyone says who's never met you and doesn't know what's going on. This is probably the biggest problem with social media, and you need to tune that stuff out. Another Two episodes that collaborate together, that go together, was the idea of competition that we talked about in April of 2022. Many people think of a you versus them as what competition is. The truth is it's you versus you. This is the continual growth process, the change that we've just been discussing previously about how to take in 
all kinds of input, whether it's from a mentor or from a, a situation that turned out good or bad, and continually improving yourself. It's you versus you competition. Many people look at it as you versus them. They see someone else who does something similar, has a similar business, plays a similar role in the company, who is trying to achieve the things that they're trying to achieve, and they think they have to beat them or win or knock them out of the competition or take from them. And then when those people win, they feel like it's being taken from you. This is just simply not true. Compete with yourself. If you're getting better every day, if you're improving every day, and you're establishing your business, your brand, your self-brand, whatever it is, in a way that is specific to you, that is true to you, that's organic, that's, that is relevant, then the po probability and possibility of winning, of succeeding, of finding the right audience, of finding the right process, of finding the right boss, the right teammates, all the right boss, the right teammates, all of those things are very high. They, those, those chance for success goes way up. But the market also dictates. The market is there. There is a response you have to apply to the market. This is the co external competition. This are, are businesses and people who do things similar to you. You have to understand your audience. You have to understand your differentiation, your position, all those things too. That's a deep conversation that you really need to find. That episode, the competition episode, to understand how it's you versus you, not you versus them, but you do need to understand them as the market, your competition, who they are and what they do so that you can better position yourself so that you can be successful in you versus you. The second half of that conversation was in June of 2022, the market, which we just discussed, versus disruption. Do you go along with the market opportunities? Do you go and find a position within the market where you, you could compete? Do you find a place, that gap, a space where no one else is a dominating force and dominate that force? Do you find a place within the market, within opportunities already existing in the world, or do you disrupt the whole system? The idea of disruption is very sexy. Everyone wants to be a disruptor because some of the big unicorns, some of the big success stories are disruptors. Uber disrupting the car rental industry, Airbnb disrupting the hotel industry, Zoom disrupting the the video conferencing industry. Anyone who had a, an idea so radically different that they disrupted the industry that they work in. The problem is those real true disruptive ideas are few and far between. A lot of people like to call what they're doing disruptive when it's not. It's simply a different version of what you already have, but not so different that it's disruptive. So do you find a place within the existing market or do you find your own place? Do you create your own way in? Do you wedge yourself into the market through disruption? An interesting conversation because everyone wants to be a disruptor because there seems to be a lot of opportunity and a lot of money quick money, quick success there, never as quick and as easy as it looks on the outside, but you have to be truly disruptive. You do have to have a brand and an idea that is completely different than it's ever been done before. And then you have to prove it. You have to finance it. You have to create a business model that works with it. You have to be able to be profitable on it, et cetera. So do you focus on market factors or do you focus on being disruptive? That's a follow-up to you competing against your competitors or you competing against yourself. Another concept that many business owners struggle with is hiring help versus doing it yourself. As an entrepreneur, as a hustler, we often have the attitude of, I simply have to do everything myself because it costs too much money to have other people do it. But a realistic, a smart, a prepared business person 
understands that there's ROI to everything, and there may be things they do better and more specifically than others, and there are more, probably more routine, more mundane tasks that you can pay someone else to do that frees you up to do things that are more profitable. Understanding when you need to hire someone, when you need to invest in people so that you can free yourself up to do other things they can't do is always a hard conversation for any entrepreneur, any startup, any business in a growth pattern. And it is an investment. You do have to invest in people. You have to hire them, not way before you need them, but you can't hire them after you need them when you're in a bind. You need to hire them as you need them. Make that investment. The ROI is probably upside down as you begin that process. But eventually, because they're good at their job, they have special attention, they have experience, maybe they know things that you don't know and take direction from you as the boss, as the entrepreneur, as a business owner, and then frees you up to do other things that the company needs, that the brand needs, etc. It's a hard conversation. It's an investment for sure. And as you're trying to be that leader, as you're trying to bring people into your organization, as you're growing your organization by adding human capital, sometimes you can get a little bit of imposter syndrome because you think maybe I'm not the person to lead these people. Maybe I'm not the person to be responsible for a business that's being this successful. Maybe I'm not the person who should be the boss or can command a team of people. That is probably imposter syndrome in the back of your head. But you have to balance what your brain is telling you about potential pitfalls versus being trying an authentic leader. Many leaders, all leaders, can't be great at everything. There are great things they have strengths and things they have weaknesses in. There are things that they do better and things that they need to attribute to other people as well. There are things you can be a leader in and with and things that you can't, but you can still build a team and lead the team and understand the cues your brain is telling you when you're receiving that imposter syndrome about maybe you're not the best person for this job. doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. This means maybe you shouldn't be the only person who does it ultimately. And another thing about the imposter syndrome, and you need to check out that episode because I go very much into depth about the idea that there are many ways to have imposter syndrome. There are many ways to be an authentic leader. And for me, I often have an imposter syndrome different than what most people think of when they hear that term imposter syndrome. How many times can I say that in a row? Because I often will probably say yes to things I probably should say no to. I'm more likely to leap into something I'm not ready for than hold myself back. That's another level of imposter syndrome as well. It comes from growing up under blue collar parents, now working in more of a professional field, more consider white collar, and taking chances early, having early success, and seeing bold decisions take off and result in positive outcomes, which isn't always the case, sometimes create a pattern where you always leap, you always are aggressive, you always do things in a different way, which can be another form of imposter syndrome as well. So I definitely recommend you check out that episode too from September of 2022. The follow-up to that in October 2022 was if you're considered the smartest guy in the room, girls, guy or girl in the room, you're probably in the wrong room. You've heard that phrase before, right? I disagree with that phrase. I actually don't mind the idea of being the smartest person in the room, but not every room I go into. So I think there are times you need to be the smartest person in the room, and there are times you need other people to be smarter to, for you to learn more. It goes back to the idea of mentoring, etc. But you shouldn't be ashamed of yourself. You shouldn't be afraid, and you shouldn't feel negative if you do find you're the smartest person in a room. 
just as long as that doesn't happen in every room you're in, then you're probably in some of the wrong rooms. Again, how do you balance being the smartest person, going to places you can learn, and being in situations where you can improve yourself and be mentored to? Finally, we kind of wrapped up the series talking about how to pay attention to what you would refer to as your numbers or the data when you're building a business, when you're running a business, versus looking at long-term outcomes, following with vision and passion, et cetera. And that's where I give you my definition of ROI. ROI is often return on investment. You've heard it many times before. I've probably said it a couple times on this podcast, but I would like to prefer the term ROIA or reality of it all. So there's return on investment. It's hard numbers. It's it's data, and that's essential for business. You have to know it. If you've ever watched Shark Tank and they ask you, what are your numbers? Do you know these things? It is essential for you to run a profitable business, but you also can't get so bogged down in numbers that you forget the ROIA, the reality of it all, what it is you're trying to achieve, where you are in the process, the fact that you might lose early in order to win later, you're making investments, etc. That can skew the hard numbers occasionally. So you need to balance looking at your numbers and being very specific in your day and week and monthly operations versus your quarterly, yearly, and big picture operations. So another episode I think you definitely want to check out. Don't watch numbers versus ROI. The answer to R is ROIA or reality of it all. And then this conversation, how do we balance all? And we go back to the idea of work-life balance which I said from the top probably should be work-life integration or something less hardline or specific as balance. Balance often infers a 50-50 relationship. A little bit on the left, a little bit on the right. 50% here, 50% there. Front and back, top and bottom, black and white. That's not reality of the world. That's too idealistic of a perfect outcome, a 50-50 balance. But... You also can't get too far into corporate culture and hustle culture. You do need to find balance. You need to have successful ways to be happy and open and building relationships at work that are professional. And of course, your after work, your outside work, your personal life, your family life, your friends, the people in the community that don't work with you but are supportive, etc. You need to find ways to do all of them. So that neither one of them takes all of your time, all of your focus, gives you all the highs or all the lows. Not so much work and stress and hustle that you burn yourself out, that you make yourself physically or mentally ill. You have to have limits, not necessarily balance, but more about limits. What you're willing to do and when you're willing to do it. You don't have to work 80 hours a week for 52 weeks of the year. It's probably going to wear you out, but there will be times when the extra effort is necessary. There are times where you have to go in on the weekends, where you have to come in early, stay late. There are times you have to drive through the snow to get to work because you're on deadline or something that is specific. And then there are times to take that off because it's not smart. It's not necessary. You also have to recharge your entrepreneur battery, your hustle battery. That's a, a term I started using recently, hustle battery. And you've heard it on the Saturday Morning Hustle podcast. Sometimes you have to recharge that hustle battery and you do that by understanding what hustle means to you, what it means to your situation, when to apply hustle, when to apply work hard, when to apply intelligence, information, collaboration, and work smart. When each of these and combined together, not necessarily in a 50-50 balance, but as needed to 
achieve what it is you're trying to achieve in the short term and then in the long term. And that's where the conversation ends, starts and ends on balance. Work-life balance is an unrealistic idea, but work-life integration. Your work should make you happy. It's something you should be passionate for, something that you should fulfill by, something you have pride in, something that you know you can achieve, you feel good about it, about doing it, about the people you work with, the people you work for, and the product or service that you provide. You should feel that pride and that quality in that. You also should feel all kinds of emotions outside of work as well. Your personal relationships, again, friend, family, people in the community that you interact with, people that you act with, interact with on a human being level, as human beings, as people, not as business partners, not as employees, employer, not as vendor and provider, not as customer, but real people who are not trying to do business together, but actually be more human together. Those two things can be integrated together, not balanced, but integrated so that it creates a well-rounded person. At the same time, that well-rounded person needs to know when they need to work smart, when they need to work hard, when they need to put extra effort in, when they need to pull back to recharge their hustle battery, to reset themselves mentally and physically, to be open to the process, to the lessons learned, to the input from others, to being mentored to and being able to then mentor others, to be internal and to be external to be all things at all places, and there's no balance here, but there is integration, there's conversation, and there's ultimately achievement that should add up to the real full human being. Not a balance, not a 50-50, but fulfillment in all aspects of your life. Integration of your work life and your home life, of your professional and your personal of who you are as a human being because these things bleed together. There isn't a hard line between what you do at work and what you do at home. You talk about work at home. You talk about home at work. You have people who are friends with, you're friends with, you also work with. You have people who that you are have casual relationships with maybe our customers or clients. You have relationships with coworkers. There are people that are above you in the chain of command and people below you, the people that are part of your life and part of your process. And sometimes the best advice on business comes from someone who doesn't have anything to do with your business. And sometimes lessons learned on the job as an entrepreneur in pursuit of excellence can be applied to the things you do as a human being outside of work. Think about that. I appreciate you guys tuning in to the Saturday Morning Hustle podcast, to the Balance Series bonus episodes as well. This is episode 24 of 24. This will be the last one in this series. Appreciate you guys listening to each and every episode that we've done over the last two years. Please go back and review those older episodes, definitely for much more in depth on the topics and ideas that we discussed today. Make sure you subscribe to the Saturday Morning Hustle. Leave a review, make a comment on social media about what types of conversations you would like to hear me talk about each and every Saturday that I'm doing the Saturday Morning Hustle. Make sure that you check out the last episode of December, the last episode of 2022, for a conversation about how the Saturday Morning Hustle will move forward. It will be looking different, but we'll still have some of the same roots 
that it's had previously over the last six years as we move into 2023. That's also important as well, the conversation. So this series has concluded. The Saturday Morning Hustle itself has changed and we'll be having a different format in 2023. Make sure you check those all out, but make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Saturday Morning Hustle Saturday Morning Hustle Saturday Morning Hustle Wake up and keep chasing your dreams